listening to the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia. We're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And today, like every day, (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. Sorry, I was watching porn. Great. <laughs> Episode 95. Let's turn on the magic. I'm so excited to talk about this. When you said that, I was like, oh, let's do that episode. Let's do that episode. <laughs> Today, yes. Tell people what we're talking about before talking about we porn. dive in. We we're are talking about, about porn. porn. We're talking about pornography. Mm-hmm. And um, how actually, I mean, that's such a common uh topic in relationships as well as in our offices we can really see um couples come in struggling because they have different views of pornography so we wanted to kind of walk through that today about how to address that when you're in a relationship and you have one perspective your partner has another and some great ways to be chatting about it yes and i want to note we talked about this off air that Mm -hmm. this this episode's content and intention obviously is for adult listeners. So I want to make that disclaimer. Uh, you must be an adult to finish listening to this. So if you're not, shut it off. And secondarily to that, this is separate and distinct from, though this I'm sure could lead into at a different episode of discussion, this is separate and distinct from a clinical pathology or a pornography addiction where the behavior has caused clinically significant impairment for the individual or is wreaking havoc and has potentially created other ruptures or um, infidelity in the relationship. So this is not a clinical pathological discussion about pornography addiction. That is a separate episode. This episode is focusing mostly on when a couple has a value difference of if it is okay to watch it or not, do I need to be there or not? Um, what mediums are you using for the pornography or not? This is more just the general discussion when it's not coming in as like a clinical, like they cheated on me for this. They did like, that's a different, and the addiction part is a different episode. So I want to make that disclaimer. Yeah, great disclaimer. Yeah. Um, and yeah. a different important topic that maybe we'll tackle another time. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, this is, yeah, so setting the stage, like, like you're mentioning, um this is when there's this differences of say one partner um does not enjoy pornography it's it's not something that they um literally turn to to either bring into the relationship or use for masturbating um and actually feels like if their partner were to use pornography they would feel like a betrayal like returning to see these visuals um and it's not within the relationship and that's one partner's perspective and the other partner um uses pornography i'm gonna use the term responsibly because i tend to look at it as like a parallel of like like alcohol if you will where it's, a, it's an engagement it's and a substance yeah yes, yes that could have the potential for harm but yeah. when used in uh, yeah it's, it's difficult to word this yeah. but like when used yeah. in small doses responsible amounts I, I mean there's also research out there of like the impact and the effects on obviously certain kinds and certain mediums but again, I would draw the parallel and that's the same thing, even in my couples program that we're doing the training. And like I mentioned, having a whole uh, process or a whole program and a whole section of our, our training on addictions and porn addiction is something we cover in that. But even then it's thinking of it as porn as a, a parallel to other substances. 
for today's episode, it's really talking about using it consciously, using it responsibly, and as probably the emotions that come up around choosing to use it or choosing to or not to choosing to disclose or to not disclose it to a partner. Uh I think more of like the the relational impact of it. Yeah, Um, and that's what we want to get into. I just want to make it clear that other partner again. I'm using yeah the term like using responsibly, whether Mm -hmm. it's inviting um, their partner to watch with them in like say the bedroom say hey I enjoy this as the same way we might enjoy a sex toy this might be fun for us or Mm -hmm. using it responsibly I think most common when this happens is using it um, when masturbating enjoying it just as like a you know a tool there an enjoyment there right Um, right but again not compulsively or not in an addictive way great great distinction yeah yeah so this comes up quite a bit um you know, I've definitely worked with a number of couples where as we start talking about their sex lives, they may not even come to therapy just for this, but then this issue gets brought up and it's like, uh-oh, oh yeah. my gosh. And a lot of times couples haven't even talked about, hey, do you masturbate? Hey, do you use pornography and that kind of mm-hmm. thing? And then these things can be opened up and it can be kind of difficult to go to. And mm-hmm. I think to me, I like this as a question because when couples talk about it, it just makes perfect sense that both sides of this argument are super valid. Mm-hmm. Like there's really no right or wrong. It's just, we're different. It's yeah. super understandable that if you have a perspective and value about porn, that um, it's, it's not something to be looking at. It's not something enjoyable for you. And you see it as a type of way of cheating where it's mm. like, hey, my partner's turning to look at other people sexually mm. instead of mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense to me. Like, hey, yeah, that, hey, that can feel really betrayal-based. It can feel yeah. really bad. You can feel like, oh, my partner doesn't love me enough. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, in our culture, pornography has been around forever, and it's been normalized in a lot of ways. And a lot of people engage in it responsibly as, again, just like that fun thing. And then they mm-hmm. can be, you know, that, that person can be very confused of, wait a second, no, this doesn't mean that I don't love you, my partner. Right, right. I'm just doing this kind of on my own time, or I think it'd be kind of fun if you want to do it with me. But sure. no, it's, it's just, these are just visuals that I'm finding. Like, it's no different than me imagining my fantasies in my head right. and right. finding pleasure and enjoyment out of my fantasy. That's also yes. a super valid perspective. So that's why I think it's such a great discussion mm-hmm. to go. I think both people, both like camps um, have really, really good valid places to come from but that's also why it can be so hard when you're dealing with it in a relationship because it's not like the the easy obvious oh someone is doing something harmful intentionally Mm -hmm. to the other it's not a cut and dry scenario it's very much a hey we're both on good ground here we're both um again valid and you know um uh have you know deserve rights in this space to be able mm-hmm. to articulate our values but we're different and that's hard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i appreciate you bringing this up and posing it as a question and there is not a blanket at least not one that i would purport there's not a blanket right or wrong this is not you must do it or you're terrible for using it or this is not a value judgment in any direction mm-hmm. and nor is this like um being construed as like condoning it or not condoning it it's a it's as existential exploration as it can be and the it's i would approach this exploring it from a value difference what does it mean to you to do that behavior 
what uh, do you enjoy about it? Are there any ever feel? Are there ever any feelings of guilt or shame? Like what emotions at all do you experience about it? And then similar to the other partner, let's say the one that's not there's like pro porn and not pro porn, or like uses it and doesn't use it. We can just call it into that. It, like, not into it. Yeah, into yeah. it, not into it. <laughs> and what? And same for the not into it. Yeah. What yeah. what emotions come up thinking about it? Uh, have you ever used it and it didn't go well? Uh, was there potentially some sort of uh, trauma or uncomfortable experience around it. And I'm not pathologizing, like it doesn't mean because you're not into it, something bad happened. You are genuinely allowed to just be like, it's not for me. Okay. I would be really curious though, to explore that. And I have with couples and individuals too. What is it like for you? What do you enjoy about it? What do you not like about it? Uh, is it causing you any issues? No. Okay. Uh, then it's still up to you to decide whether to include it or not. And know that not every partner is going to have the same view as you about this and determining how important I would say it is. And if another partner's perspective of sharing the impact of what it's like on them, if that shifts your behavior, as long as it's congruent with your values shifting and it's not just for this person, but you're thinking of it like, yeah, you know what? It's actually not that important. It's not more important than our relationship. Totally fine to hear you out. And if, or if you want me to tell you when I do it, like, being able to have an open discussion about it, I think, is key to get to the bottom of whether to include it, how to include it, why people choose to include it, again, more existentially. Yeah, I think being able to have that open discussion is key. I agree with you. I think couples can get stuck because sex can already be a difficult thing to talk about. And then True. pornography being another value on top of that can be difficult. Right, right. So couples, when it first gets brought up, both tend to be very uncomfortable which mm -hmm. means they're not having a nice, grounded, open discussion. Right. So to get to that key place, I think a first step is something that we talk about all the time on the podcast, which is start by just understanding and really getting where your partner is coming from. Don't yes. jump to trying to fix it or convince no. them about your perspective. Just go. Or shame Whoa. them. Don't yeah. Shame. Don't do not shame do that. Or blame. <laughs> you can no. be shaming them for using, or you can be blaming them for being, you know, um, a prude, quote unquote, mm -hmm. um, a very loaded term. So, but mm -hmm. stay, stand, stay with the like, cool. Oh, that's different. Let me just fully understand where you're coming from. Let me get your yes. value on this. Help me understand why that feels like, like it's the same thing as me cheat on you. Huh? That's different from how I view it. All good. Uh, yeah. Teach me what's up with you about that. Or exactly. Huh, you like that so much. You know, to me that, that, that's something that actually turns me off. It feels gross mm -hmm. to like see other people in those positions. How come you like it? What's good for mm -hmm. you about that? How come you see that as just yes. like a tool that's fun for you? Um, be curious, yes. be open and start there. It's not mm -hmm. a magic fix, but it will often be the first no. thing you need to do to make sure you can then have a cool, we, we're listening well, we're respecting each other's perspectives. Look at us. We're a team. We're collaborative. Now we can go into some of those things you're saying. Having it, the, It's key is having that open discussion so that then you can move into, oh, well, maybe we can like find some middle ground here or maybe we can decide like, you know, uh, how we want to go about this um if there are any changes that need to happen in our relationship whatever they are mm -hmm. absolutely and i think that separating and or holding space for the separation of pornography and masturbation they don't always go and i'm not trying to make a pun here they don't always go hand in hand <laughs> They don't always, there's a time and a place for you can enjoy one without the other. And there are people who 
this would probably be part of the other episode though as well. I would I would venture a guess it is more common that pornography without masturbation or I mean masturbation without pornography occurs rather than the opposite. I mean, it's not that people can't like casually view it, but I would I would venture a guess. This is just a guess that most of the time what would go without the other would be I can masturbate without porn rather than I choose to watch porn without masturbating. That might be more down the line of like the addiction. But that that's not again, that's not pathologizing. That's just a guess. So when you're thinking when we are talking about this and when a couple is thinking about this, maybe if the pornography topic is too activating to begin with, because it might be to um, kind of dial back a bit and discuss sexuality at large and an aspect of sexuality is sexuality with yourself, masturbation. Are, is that okay? Is that acceptable? We're separate from porn, is that acceptable in a relationship? If it is acceptable, is the inclusion of porn with that act acceptable? Is it desirable? Is it something that can be tolerated? Even if we don't love it, we won't lose respect for our partner or shame them for it. It really is important to understand where you stand on both of those topics, namely, if you want to include some sort of alternate source. And to your point, I have discussed with couples that they do see it used responsibly as an auxiliary or an adjunctive service to their self-pleasure or their sex life, much like they would a sex toy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there. I, I want to reiterate in another way, like what you're talking about, like slowing down mm-hmm. is how I see it of like, well, let's start with some of these themes that tend to be associated with pornography masturbation have we talked about that before yes um and step by step like you're saying like so there's masturbation where it's really about like yeah loving yourself um i remember the first time i heard um someone explain that to me when i was young and a teenager and they said oh yeah i love masturbating because it's like you know having sex with just me and mm. I never thought of it that way before. Mm. I'd always been in the fantasy realm of it. Mm. But there is, you know, you know, a, this a very important piece of masturbating where it's like you're really just present focused. You're 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 thinking about your body, your sensation. It's just with you for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe having a discussion like, hey, is that something? How do we feel about that? Mm-hmm. Versus the type of masturbating that is fantasy based, where right. yes, you are just giving yourself physical pleasure but while you're imagining something um, with someone else um, or some other type of fantasy that you have sexually and so there's going to be an emotional component to that because inherently if you're fantasizing you have some kind of like connection to what that fantasy is whether it's another person whether it's with your current partner but maybe in a different location or style or role play Mm -hmm. that you're fantasizing about or Mm -hmm. if you're mastering a fantasy of like you're still doing it with just you but I don't know, you're on a mountaintop by yourself enjoying, yeah. you know, that. Like, we all have our own random things yeah. that we enjoy that turn us on. Yeah. Um, but there's fantasy to it. So there's like, yes. again, this mindful, present, you know, really engaging with yourself to, you know, in a sense, make love with yourself. Mm-hmm. And then there's this fantasy thing where you're imagining something that contributes to your pleasure. Mm-hmm. Just breaking those down. I, I don't go too much the rabbit hole of just masturbation, but like, having that be part of this discussion yeah. and like you're saying where, where does values come from is that something we come comfortable with was that something taboo in your mm-hmm. culture and family culture mm-hmm. um or, or is this okay and or just does any sense of giving yourself pleasure is that yeah. um 
open and available for you or is that sinful for you? Like, where does that come exactly. from? Exactly. Those starting discussions are really key just to, again, keep understanding, keep exploring, keep being in that place to have a great open connecting discussion. Yeah, especially with pornography, where do those beliefs and values come from? And how ingrained are they? Is somebody wanting them to change and be flexible? Have they ever examined those beliefs around it before? Again, this is not saying you must change your mind on it. I do not want people to take that message from this episode. It's being inquisitive about a value or a belief, much like you would with most every other value and belief. So you can at go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'll just want to jump on that about <laughs> knowing the value and belief. So yeah. I just want to echo, like, yeah, it's not to say about necessarily changing. It's about you knowing your value and beliefs so yeah. that, A, you can communicate it to your partner, and B, right. so that you're not in reactive state. If yes. you're just, like, blinded going, yes. hey, no, no bad, I wrong. think this yeah. way about porn, and that's the end, mm-hmm. It's that's going to keep you from having these, like, open key conversations. So yeah. doing this allows you to go, no, I know it, I understand what's right for me, and I can articulate that. Exactly. And, I, and I'm not being just reactive. I can choose my response because I know me. Yes. And and whether or not the mindset or the belief or value are ch- changed by the end of it, that's that's not the goal of it. The goal is, to your point, of being in a non-reactive, receptive, open, listening state and gaining an understanding and the understanding does not have to alter anything except the felt sense of closeness with your partner and a deeper, more connected understanding and exploration of what they feel and think about this specific topic. So I, I'm very much so pro-existential questioning without shame and guilt and both people understanding where it comes from. And sure, pornography is a very triggering topic. And to the point we brought up earlier, responsible use makes a lot of difference. The type of pornography being viewed, the means and the media, uh, like the media source in which it's being consumed also makes a difference. And I would say most of the couples I've worked with on this topic, there are parameters of what they're cool with and what they're not cool with. So sometimes they'll come in with absolutely not. And as we have these open discussions and learnings and understandings, they more deeply understand what it does or does not mean, what it does actually, what it does and does not mean to their partner. So there's responsible wiggle room, not that they're compromising themselves or their values, but they're going, okay, with this knowledge of how you've explained the impact that it has using it or not using it, I can see now what this means to you and here's a compromise, or I can see what this means to you and I'm cool with it as long as you're not paying for it. I'm cool with it as long as it's not um, a live video like cam person that you're interacting with. I'm cool with it as long as it's not exploited. Like if you're thinking about it from those perspectives, and I know this might sound uh, uh, new or odd for people listening of like they're being very analytical about this, but that is what couples have to, I would recommend have to discuss if this does come up in especially our clinical room. Let's talk about it. You want to talk about it? We're going to talk about it like we would pretty much anything else. And you're allowed to put parameters. Even if you're okay with something, there's still boundaries and parameters around to what degree and to what level and what kinds of, again, with pornography, what are you okay with and what are you not okay with? And can the partner adhere to that and uphold the trust and the boundary in the relationship or the agreement in the relationship of, okay, it sounds like pre-made videos or what about if we make our own videos and watch can I watch those? Like 
being able to have an open discussion reduces a lot of the shame and guilt that I think a lot of people hold for a very long time and come into relationships with and may never have examined and might actually be weighing on them psychically in ways that they never realized, whether or not they ever choose to watch it or not. Let's say they come in never watching it and they do exploration and they still arrive at, I don't want to watch it. They've done so with at least a deeper understanding. And now that choice is theirs rather than a societal or cultural belief that's only ever been upheld without being examined. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And again, that all just feeds into a really good discussion if both partners are coming at it with openness, respect, and curiosity so yes. that you can come to some of these um, mutual understandings. And, you know, we keep saying, and I, I do want to keep saying this, that it, this isn't to say about trying to change one person's value base, because Correct. as we acknowledge, both perspectives are super valid. But in a kind of... Um, uh, uh, oh, there's a term for it. Uh, forgot the term. Go move on. But it, what's interesting is that by coming into it with acceptance and not trying to change, that's the mentality that actually can allow couples to, in a sense, compromise or collaborate the best. Mm -hmm. When you're going, okay, I'm not trying to convince you of my perspective. Right. I'm just trying to listen. Then you realize, oh, wait, we can find our common ground there. Like you're saying, maybe it's about the type of stimulation that's consumed where right. then there's just some parameters on it because we've attuned to the fact that for one partner, it feels almost like cheating because mm -hmm. if you're looking at, you know, a live cam person, that's like an interactive experience. Uh-oh, that feels like cheating. Or, right. um, I mean, this is also how do you define pornography? Um, some people like, True. well, if you're using um, Instagram accounts and you're scrolling ah. and using that to masturbate, is that pornography? Not technically, but it's right. in that same vein. And that can feel the same thing of betrayal. So with this open discussion, be like, so, oh, so what really matters is when there's like an actual emotional connection, as in the potential for relationship, that's not useful. That really brings up those feelings of, oh, that doesn't feel good for my partner. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then maybe it goes into other realms. That's, that, that's, that's safe. Maybe it's, um, you know, still images of pre-done something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm thinking like um, old school, like Playgirl, yeah, Playboy yeah, stuff. Yeah, the magazines, yeah. Um, or um, uh, like uh, if you're watching um, sex scenes from movies that right. are, you know, really like intense movies, but sure, you know that sure. they were made in a professional way. They're not actually yes. having sex, that kind of thing. Then maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's okay. Yeah. But that's the place where I'm saying like that compromise can happen or that collaboration. Right. But again, it's because it's starting with a space of let's just learn and understand. We're not trying to like push each other's values separately. We're getting a deeper understanding of what those values are because that's where we find the middle ground. Mm -hmm. Now we're finding the middle of we're still staying true to ourselves and being okay with it. Oh, and that actually, sorry, I'm going to keep rambling on this piece. That's yeah. a good example of going like, oh, well, yeah, I've really, if you're the partner who's like, yeah, I've really wanted to continue to use, you know, pornography. But now I get a deeper understanding of why my partner doesn't like it so much. They're right. worried about um, the type of abuse that can happen in the sex industry to, of course. to workers. Or they're like, no, it does feel like a betrayal, even if you're just looking at someone else and thinking mm -hmm. about them in a fantasy way. Then I get like, okay, well, that's still something I enjoy. But you know what? It's not maybe that big of a deal to me. So I'll keep it in my fantasy world and I, I mm -hmm. won't use it. I'm not 
suggesting that's what to do. But my point is right. that's in another example of when you sit and listen or stand where each differing value comes from and get that like aha moment, that's when couples can find new solutions and they can find that middle ground. Yeah. And I have uh, two notes to bring up so to actually get the definition of pornography mm-hmm. as a noun <laughs> you know mm-hmm. me and my linguistics it's printed or visual material containing the explicit description or display of sexual organs or activity intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings that is the dictionary definition from oxford languages thank so you, oxford. Uh, thank you oxford i would also say with That definition um, and part of what you brought up as well is the the mediums and the the natures of the videos. I would say for pornography, even not online, has been around. There's been stories. There's been depictions of it. There's been murals of it in ancient times. Like this is not a new thing that human beings are fascinated by the erotic stimulus of other human beings. So I want to put that out there just historically. This is not like a problem just with the internet. Can it be compounded by it? Of course, but so can anything on the internet. And the views of if it's okay, okay, whatever uh, operational definition you want to give to that word in this context, if it's okay or not, and to what degree is it okay or not, has largely varied with different industry changes in the sex industry and even in the pornography industry. And to your point, I think if it is coming from a value of, I don't want people to be taken advantage of, I don't want people to be put in unsafe situations, I don't want it to be exploitative, those are more moral slash value discussions that are definitely worth having with your partner. And ideally you have a similar viewpoint or at least one is like passionate about and one is neutral and supportive about these viewpoints. That can be a part of why I don't want certain kinds of things watched or certain same thing. I mean, not the exact same thing. I would say parallel process. If you don't support other companies because of child labor issues or like owners of companies who engage in like big game hunting and you're against it, like you can choose to not engage in something based on your values and porn can be one of those things. 100%. It's also very important to have an understanding of in part of that exploring where this comes from. If it's a no, thank you. Was there a, trauma around this that's informing the partner's viewpoint or was this a personal thing for them that they had to use that in their past as a career and they don't want to be triggered by it very valid thing to be able to safely bring up and is there if it might be something from to your point that concern of I don't want it to feel like infidelity if it's only a picture on Instagram this might be even separate from porn is that stemming from a self-esteem concern of a feeling of not enoughness and then anything in the direction of another person would be viewed as a threat, especially all the way to it being pornography. So again, highlighting just how valuable this deep exploration is with your partner. It could be stemming from many different factors and you'd want to be clear on that. And then the choice to continue or not continue it is really about honoring the partnership and where you're at and the agreement on those other moral or value discussions more than it is, well, I don't get to do this behavior anymore. You totally can. And your partner is also allowed to say, just so you know, if the behavior continues, I will not be here anymore. So mm-hmm. pick, pick your, pick your choice. <laughs> exactly. Um, actually, I want to get dive like uh, on that example you brought up 
Um, not to give again recommendations, but kind no. of like a, an example of how I might like look through something. Yeah. yeah. So when you're mentioning that, um, it, this the example of it's actually more. I'm uncomfortable with my partner using pornography because I'm struggling over here to feel attractive or desired or wanted or mm-hmm, loved mm-hmm, enough. That mm-hmm. comes out from this discussion. Mm-hmm. That's the scenario then cool, then I can see a place where a couple as a team can go, oh, all right, so let's let's nurture that growth in healing. Right. Let's make sure that as a team, we're attuning to you feeling wonderful about your body, you feeling desired by me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry, I don't know why I put, I like switched roles. First I was the person there and then there. <laughs> but, um, so hold on. So the partner who is like struggling with like yes. feeling desired yeah. and loved, then you're working as a team with their partners so that both are attuning to that person, feeling um, safe, love, desired in their body, sexy in their body, and a priority. That's always key, a priority sexually. Mm-hmm. And then the discussion suddenly shifts away from like if we're using porn or not together or if one partner is and the other isn't. It turns into a deeper understanding of, no, this is about healing some old insecurities through the relationship. Right, right. And then maybe that means that like, as that heals, that partner who was struggling to feel that realizes, oh, I feel so good. And I feel like so confident that my partner does desire me, craves me, views me, sees me, loves me. That stuff doesn't bug me anymore. I'm actually cool Mm -hmm. with like on their own time. If that's what they want to do, they can use pornography. Um, I'm not saying that has to happen. I'm just pointing out how that could go down. Yes. On the flip side, I do think then that's where a good discussion can be for that person. Like, oh, well, we want to work on my partner feeling so much more better about themselves. Okay, so I hear that pornography is not great for you. I'm going to hold off on it for a while. I'm going to make that commitment to you while we keep this discussion going and healing in that space. I do want you to know that's something I would like to continue to enjoy in the future. Mm-hmm. But I respect you in the place that right now that's difficult for you. So if we're as long as we're both working on this healing for you, and me getting better at making right. sure I'm communicating to you how much I desire you, how much I care about you, and I'm doing my part there, then maybe we, we can revisit that thing that I enjoy later on and see how that goes. So again, yes. none of that is prescriptive. That's no. a very specific thing, but I think it's valuable to go down that example and how I think about yeah. it because maybe it can spurn some ideas for people listening. Oh, yeah. It, and even while you were sharing, it created some space for me to think about the association, like the double standard, I would say, or the gender bias that exists, if depending on which partner is using it and for what purpose, um, the content of the material that's being consumed, if a partner is exploring their sexual orientation, and they're watching whatever consuming media, we'll just call it towards that um uh, choice, shall we say, or in terms of like the mental fantasy of engaging of like, I'm not thinking about my partner, I'm thinking about being with another girl, or I'm thinking about being with another person or a group or whatever it might be on the top of the mountain. Um, <laughs> well, I'm rock <laughs> climbing, example. like <laughs> whatever you're into, and thinking of it as what would what would be behind making those Uh, choices to engage in certain kinds of media and what brings the person pleasure as well as if the toys are being included because what I've seen more often than only porn being the problem is the desensitization of the genitals with utilizing some tools and some toys and so it's 
again, this is a subset. It's not actually about the not the video not being there to achieve orgasm if that's the goal for whatever the sexual encounter is. It's that hands, hands, mouths, and genitals are simply not going to be the same as a mechanized object. That's just like, they're not the exact same and they're not going to feel the exact same. So oftentimes what I recommend with couples who are struggling to figure out your chicken or the egg, which thing is causing maybe some lack of satisfaction when we are having partnered sex or foreplay is to decouple the use of whatever extra toys with the use of the media to really see what might be leading to that. And then you can, you know, desensitize and come back in and try it again. And that can also be quite helpful if we're finding that the use of both at the same time might be impinging upon the couple being able to enjoy sex, whatever that looks like with each other. Yeah. This is actually thing I was going to mention this near the end. We're kind of getting there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I wanted to mention two bits of research um, that are uh, arguments for and against using pornography. Yeah. yeah. And one is we can talk about that desensitization thing. There is a lot of research that shows that regular habitual use of pornography Correct. can lead to lower satisfaction in your relationship. Yes. Part of it is that desensitization and that fantasy piece of if you're getting a lot of that stimulation from not your relationship, it can make it more difficult to turn to your relationship to get it, especially when you're thinking like 20 years into a relationship and the mm -hmm. same person you're having sex with. Yes. Um, and then also it desensitizing because you're used to all that novel stimulation because of pornography use. It can be hard because your 20 relationship is not going to be necessarily novel stimulation, even if no. you're in a pretty communicative open oh, yeah. and stuff over time. It's just not, it's still you the same. You can only role play for so many times. Like it's, yeah. yes, it's the same person. Your mind hey, can my be great. characters are spot on, okay? Like I've <laughs> I have accents. I have outfits. I travel to different countries. Like, <laughs> I go on vacation specifically for the new outfit. I have a okay. repertoire, okay? <laughs> that mountain, I'm telling you. So <laughs> that's one body of research, yeah. though, that yeah. actually like pornography Correct. does have genuine costs. Correct. Um, on the flip side, there's research, not as much, but there's still research that shows that when couples consensually choose to engage mm -hmm. in different types of sex toys, including pornography, mm -hmm. it heightens their sexual satisfaction and connection together. Yes. So there's also that plus side. Um, that there you go. There's also places to show that when this is happening together, that can be good. Yes. I will point out like those are the, you know, I don't remember these specific studies. I can't cite them, which is the best thing to do when we're actually giving real information. But what I take from those memories of learning these things is that there is a genuine cost when you're using pornography individually to pay attention to. Correct. Uh, sorry, a genuine cost to the relationship potentially. Yeah. And there's great potential value of using it within the relationship. Again, was consensual, open, and in a good mm -hmm. place to talk about it. Those mm -hmm. were things that I kind of thought were really interesting that couples can bring into this discussion when they have differing views of pornography, just to get curious and say, oh, well, yeah. maybe to challenge my perspective of, oh, I like pornography. I haven't looked at the costs of what it's costing. Or to challenge my perspective right. that I'm not okay with pornography and go, oh, I haven't looked at maybe there's some bonding and connecting that can be used with this tool. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting discussion. And depending upon, uh, how would I want to word this? Depending upon when, if the use is occurring, how far into the relationship is it examined slash included? If you're going from being or non-partnered, 
and that is the utilization tool that you use when you masturbate to if you're if you do that and you satisfy your own needs that way there may be an adjustment this is not pro or against but there may be an adjustment phase in which your body has to recalibrate to oh we actually don't need to do that anymore as the only way to meet our needs we now have a partner and we're learning each other's bodies and we're figuring that out you can still pending your own values, et cetera, include masturbation. Many couples find they don't want to as much. Some couples find they do want to more as a way to explore what feels good to tell their partner what feels good. And not every time we engage in even a masturbatory act is the goal to have an orgasm or the goal to have completion. Sometimes it is used as a self-reflective process and sometimes it is used as a way to reconnect to the self similar to the choice to include porn if a couple makes that that doesn't mean it's going to be that forever and always amen whatever it is like here it is here on out for the rest of time you're going to use it every time there are seasons and phases even within our own individual exploration of our sexuality that we will have differences there are there is data and research out there and i'm i'm I can find some links after we can put them in the show notes to make sure we have at least some representation of it. Cause I agree. I think having that research is helpful and research can be biased. Like we also have to include people's individual cultures and values. And we've made that very clear as the foundation there's research and data that the earlier that it, you are exposed to it because simply of the desensitization process, much like being in, um, exposed to any other substance from an early age, the likelihood that you will need more or different or dosage dosage differences, so to speak, increases mainly because that threshold changes. If I've seen one video once and it was the first time I ever saw it, my brain is going to be like, this is new and novel to your point. So the longer that you may have done it as an individual, give yourself empathy and grace and share with your partner. Maybe you don't have to lay yourself fully bare, but this is something that's not brand new for me. I would like to make these changes, let's say as one outcome. I need time. I need time to recalibrate and adjust to not include this behavior and include more of this behavior and make that an out loud. This is the key part. Make it out loud communication so that neither partner feels like they have to be ashamed or in the dark about the others, themselves, their self behavior, like their own behavior or the other person's behavior. Yeah. And I think that's like also like one of the important goals of opening this discussion up is right. making sure that neither partner feels silenced or has to be in the dark, whether yes. they can't um, vocalize their sadness or discomfort when they've learned that their partner is using pornography right. or that they have to feel silent and sneaky and kind of hide that something that they enjoy that feels right for them sexually. Um, by using Great point. Great so, point. Um, all of this is in like opening this up to have these good discussions. I think just the very last thing I would mention is there's there's sure. another part of this where you know couples can listen to this have these open conversations and there is a place where you can get to like um, a stalemate of uh oh we really are just kind of like we true. understand each other fully and we're not um, adjusting. True. In that case, that's also another episode of, like how to get through blocks. Also, that's tend to be where you do call in a professional and go to a right. couple's therapist to be like, oh, interesting. Right. So you've done all this great work. You, do you actually sit and listen and understand? Okay. And do you have these open discussions? And yet something's happening where it's just really is a complete value block wall Correct. hitting. That yes. might take a little bit more professional work to like figure out. Absolutely. What to do in that space. Absolutely. And if you follow the 
um, guideline, I don't even know if you call it that, if you follow the discussion that Ryan and I brought up today at all and use these questions in your relationship or even with yourself, and you find that there are some answers where it's like, oh, I think it might be more than that, or oh, it actually does cause me this, or what, if, if you are doing your own inventory or self or couples inventory and you you or you and your partner arrive at, this might actually be a problem we would like to address, or this is larger than the discussion we're able to achieve on our own. Absolutely, please seek professional help. It's not about shame at all. It is so remarkably helpful to not feel like you have to do it all yourself, to not feel ashamed of whatever is going on, and to know that whatever healing you are hoping for and whatever healing looks like is, I'm not going to say a guarantee, but it is possible with further exploration of self and the values, et cetera. And before it becomes problematic, better to address it if before it becomes very problematic. And if it already has become problematic and the change you'd like to make, there are treatments out there and there are different behavioral ways of being out there that can help curb this so it doesn't cause so much shame or guilt or problem in a relationship. Again, even if you're just solo, but especially if you're in a couple's relationship, porn addiction can be a huge problem and it also can have a grand solution on the other side of it once treated properly. So I want to, I want to speak into that. There is hope. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Talia yeah. saying there's hope. Well, let's end it on that. Boom. <laughs> Cut paste. Remember that that exists. Mm-hmm. Talia giving that hope message to all of us. Get it. Yes. Thank you um, for listening, everybody. This was a wonderful discussion. I feel like we really covered a lot. There you go. We always do. (laughs) But uh, yes, thanks everyone for listening. Um, If you have any questions for us uh, that you want answered on the podcast, shoot us an email. Ryan and Talia at thecouplesguidepodcast.com. Yes. And if you have a more specific question that you don't want to email in or you just want to hop on my Q&A, my Instagram is where I'm most active. It's at Talia Bombola. So my name, I'm sure everybody who is 90 something episodes in is familiar by now how to spell it. And you can ask a question on there. And if we, if I view it and I think it'd be great for a long form question, then we'll bring it on the podcast as well. And if you liked this episode, please share it and subscribe if you want to hear more. Thanks again, everyone. Take good care.